Welcome to Fridays on Excellence, the one and only podcast created to help you become the fullest expression of your unique God-given design. Whether you're an entrepreneur, parent, worship leader, business owner, or top team leader, or you just like being excellent, you will definitely find something actionable and useful for your own personal journey of excellence. Every episode contains three coaching questions, two pillars of content, one actionable takeaway, all at zero cost to you. And now, here's your host, executive coach and consultant who loves spreadsheets, execution, and coffee, lots of coffee, Scott Kokenauer. Good afternoon and welcome to Fridays on Excellence. I'm Scott Kokenauer and I'm your host. So glad you took time out to tune in. I'm excited about this show. If you're an executive listening to this with an idea or an opportunity that you're looking to make a possible change because of it, this episode might help you. Uh, finances are at the heart of so much of what we deal with in life, and it's because of that I'm eager to get started. Our first segment is the three coaching questions. Question number one, what is your biggest financial fear? What is your biggest financial fear? Number two, what if you suddenly faced a $1,000 bill? Not bill as in a $1,000 bill, but what if you suddenly face a, an invoice for a repair or whatever it is that you didn't expect and it cost $1,000? Question number three, where does all your money go? Where does all your money go? These questions are not designed to be answered right now. Instead, I encourage you to write them down on a three by five card and keep them in front of where, wherever it is you spend most of your waking hours, perhaps the dashboard of your car, the computer screen, or on the back of your phone. Let them sink into your life all during the coming week. Now, this leads us to the next segment, which is the two pillars. Our first pillar is debt doesn't define you. For the pillars today, I'm going to be sharing curated information from a couple of sources, and I'll list those sources at the end for you. So our first pillar, debt does not define you. Um, the, the source that I have used is a girl by the name of Emily Torres, and she says the following, debt is not great. Now, I'm not the Scrooge McDuck of debt, jumping into my vault of debt receipts, reveling in the sheer volume of them. No one loves debt, except student loan companies. But it's something that most of us deal with, and it's time to stop the cycle of shame around it because it's not productive. So when we think that debt is the definition of who we are, we are less likely to be motivated to do anything about it because it's too much. We're overwhelmed by it. Emily continues, 
While you find yourself attempting to scale the walls of the hole you dug for yourself, you begin questioning your worth, not your net worth, but your birth-given worth as a human. It's a painful process, and it can be a prolonged experience. We're taught to internalize our net worth as our self-worth, as if the numbers in our accounts qualify us to be any more or less human than others. So, she says, I want to shed a little light on how I've been working towards reclaiming my value beyond debt. It's a lifelong process of unlearning and relearning, and I'm just getting started. So Emily then goes on to share four steps, four things that she's doing to reclaim her value beyond debt. Number one, track everything and ditch emotion. Money is emotional. It affects where you sleep, what you eat, where you go, and how you spend your time. It's inextricably linked to our existence in this modern world, and it's understandable to feel vulnerable when it's scarce. Something that helps us to put the numbers in front of ourselves is to, uh, in one of the most uneventful, is to put it into one of the most unemotional formats, a spreadsheet. Track every penny, plan every expense, and make columns to show where your bank account and credit card balances end up each day. Watch this habit, though. Be intentional and detailed about where your money is going, but don't let it become the only thing you think about all day, every day. Spend five minutes each day looking at your accounts and your budget, and then log off and live your life. Emily goes on to number two, pay yourself. This one was and is will always be the scariest one. Living a scarcity mindset, we often withhold indulgences, both big and small, from ourselves. Then comes the inevitable reactionary impulse buy, which triggers the shame spiral. When money is tight, offer yourself a small cash allowance, even if it's $5 a day, I'm sorry, $5 a week to keep on hand in case you need a snack or a cup of coffee. She says, having this physical reminder to take care of yourself is helpful, but it also reminds you that your your treat-yourself money is finite. You'll find yourself making your coffee and lunches at home more so that you can spend the money on things you can't predict you'll want. Number three, talk about it. Have you ever talked to your friends about money? I mean, like really discuss the nitty gritty of your budget. We're taught to not talk about our debt because it's shameful and not talk about our salaries because it's boastful. But scrolling silently through personal finance articles online isn't always helpful on its own. You have to remember money is emotional and it requires more than just investment tips to help us reclaim our value. So talk to your friends about it. Tell them you're having trouble identifying your worth beyond money. And tell them if you're having trouble sticking with budgets. Learn from financial experts, but also lean on peers who are experiencing the emotional burden of debt themselves. Form a support network. Remind each other of your value and build healthy financial goals alongside one another. And finally, number four, Emily shares, is take stock of everything you do have. Nourish yourself by evaluating everything you have. You have friends. 
You have a phone to text or call them. You may have a home to welcome them to. Even if your expenses are overwhelming, meet them with overwhelming gratitude and your whole world will crack open. Especially take stock of what you have beyond money. A pet, friends, family, hobbies, photographs, memories. Reminding yourself that bring what brings you joy beyond a paycheck is a great exercise for recentering yourself. And above all, celebrate your time and treat it as something precious and valuable. Because there's always more money, but there's never more time. You and your existence have value beyond your net worth. You are not a number on a page, but a whole, complex, and unique person on your own. So that's pillar one, which is debt does not define you. Let's move on to pillar number two. Pillar number two is every action is a vote. Every action is a vote. For this pillar, I will be drawing from the excellent work by James Clear in his his work, The Atomic Habits. True behavior change is identity change. It's important to understand that true behavior, when you're changing true behavior, you're changing your identity. Start a habit because of motivation but the only reason you stick with one is that it becomes a part of your identity. Anyone can convince themselves to visit a gym or eat healthy once or twice, but if you don't shift the belief behind the behavior, then it's hard to stick with long-term changes. Improvements are only temporary until they become who you are. For example, the goal is not to read a book. The goal is to become a reader. The goal is not to run a marathon. The goal is to become a runner. The goal is not to learn an instrument. The goal is to become a musician. You see, your behaviors are usually a reflection of your identity. What you do is an indication of the type of person you believe that you are, either consciously or non-consciously. James Clear talks about research that has shown that once a person believes in a particular aspect of their identity, they're more likely to act in alignment with that belief. For example, people who identified as, quote, being a voter were more likely to vote than those who simply claimed voting was an action they wanted to perform. In the same way, the person who incorporates exercise into their identity doesn't have to convince themselves to train. Doing the right thing is easy. After all, when your behavior and your identity are fully aligned, you are no longer pursuing behavior change. You're simply acting like the type of person you already believe yourself to be. Like all aspects of habit formation, this too is a double-edged sword. When working for you, identity change can be a powerful force for self-improvement. When working against you, though, identity change can be a curse. Once you've adopted an identity, it can be easy to let your allegiance to to it impact your ability to change. Many people walk through life in a in a cognitive slumber, blindly following the norms attached to their identity. For example, have you ever heard someone say, I'm terrible with directions. I'm not a morning person. 
Or maybe you said, I'm bad at remembering, remembering people's names. I'm always late. I'm not good with technology. I'm horrible at math and a thousand other variations. When you have repeated a story to yourself for years, it's easy to slide into these mental grooves and accept them as fact. And in time, you begin to resist certain actions because that's not who I am, is what you say. There is an internal pressure to maintain your self-image and behave in a way that is consistent with your beliefs. You find whatever you whatever way you can to avoid contradicting yourself. The more deeply a thought or action is tied to your identity, the more difficult it is to change it. The biggest barrier to positive change at any level, individual or team or society, is identity conflict. Good habits make, can make rational sense, but if they conflict with your identity, you will fail to put them in action. On any given day, you may struggle with your habits because you're too busy or too tired or too overwhelmed or hundreds of other reasons. But over the long, long run, however, the real reason you fail to stick with habits is that your self-image gets in the way. This is why you can't get too attached to one version of your identity. Progress requires unlearning. James Clear goes on to say, becoming the best version of yourself requires you to continuously edit your beliefs and to upgrade and expand your identity. If your beliefs and worldview play such an important role in your behavior, where do they come from in the first place? How exactly is your identity formed? And how can you emphasize new aspects of your identity that serve you and gradually erase the places that hinder you? Well, your identity emerges out of your habits. You're not born with preset beliefs. Every belief, including those about yourself, is learned and conditioned through experience. And habits are the path to changing your identity. The most practical way to change who you are is to change what you do. Each time you write a page, you are a writer. Each time you practice the violin, you are a musician. Each time you start a workout, you are an athlete. Each time you encourage your employees, you are a leader. You see, it's a simple two-step process. Decide the type of person you want to be, then prove it to yourself with small wins. So you see the connection between how debt is not who is not what defines who we are. And who we are is defined by what we do. So if we prove to ourselves who we have decided to become, then we really start to make significant change. This leads us to our takeaway. Our takeaway today is decide, then prove it. Decide and then prove it. Take the advice from James Clear. Decide the type of person you want to be and then simply prove it to yourself with small wins. Decide to be a debt-free person, 
then start doing the habits that lead you to that. The sources I cited are as follows. Emily Torres in thegoodtrade.com and James Clear in the book Atomic Habits. I'll place the links to these sources in the show notes. Thank you so much for taking time out to tune in. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fridays on Excellence podcast. Be sure to visit our website, servingstrong.com slash Friday, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or any of the other podcast platforms so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like this show, you might want to check out our ebook entitled Zoe, Your Zone of Excellence, available on Amazon.com.